Bitcoin Roundtable. Random musings and interviews about Bitcoin. Hey, everybody. Hello. How's everybody tonight? <laughs> We're good. How are you? <laughs> again and um i'm going to pass you over to darren we'll start off the chat tonight uh with about fud okay fud what's fud mean vince <laughs> it's uh <laughs> uncertainty i believe it's fud stands for fear uncertainty and doubt like standing off the end of a cliff well i guess so yeah um anyways anyone who's been around bitcoin for a while knows the term very well um, partly because there is so much resentment against it from the established industries of the day i.e. banking or anyone else that might be threatened by the rise of bitcoin and there's a lot of industries that are threatened by the rise of bitcoin um, knowing that bitcoin is really unstoppable partly because it's a global decentralized network and Partly because, um, you know, established industries really have no way of shutting it down. Right. The only way they can fight against Bitcoin and or the rise of current cryptocurrencies in general, which um, we'll talk about later, is to just consistently discount it. And that's... You know, saying, oh, Bitcoin's not worth anything and bring out all these articles about how they're going to ban it and yada, yada, and in the hopes that people lose interest in it and sell it. Um, and for the most part, it's a quite an effective campaign. Um, this tool is also widely used in the stock markets um, by Wall Street traders and hedge funds. Um, who literally have enough money to buy publicity, i.e. newspaper articles, magazine articles, uh, television, news, broadcasts, um, even Bloomberg. Um, they will essentially pay people to write and talk about the subject in question in a negative way so that the price goes down, and that's called FUD. Um, now, if I'm a large hedge fund and I wanna buy a position in ABC company and the stock's quite high, the best thing to do is to put out a negative publicity on it so that everybody sells it, and then you can snap up a whole chunk of it at a very low price. Uh, Bitcoin is no different, and so they're trying to scare an awful lot of, let's call them normal people who might have a little bit of money in it and scare them out of it because they're afraid of losing it all. Well, exactly. Um, <laughs> like most people that got in on Bitcoin, are, you know, like they're not Wall Street. They're just people. Um, nerds who are, you know, crypto geek nerds who, you know, in 2008, 2009, you know, got into Bitcoin and bought it. And... Uh, um, so Bitcoin initially was owned by by you and me, by Joe Q Public, um, and Wall Street really didn't have any skin in the game, as as it were. Yeah. Now Wall Street wants skin in the game, 
And the only way they're going to get skin in the game is... Yeah, they're trying to scare people off. Yeah, like, you know, what uh, what's what have we gone through in the last month? Um, well, the tether, the tether thing, which is hard to explain, but effectively a lot of uh, fear and uncertainty and doubt and articles online and people talking about the tether, how it's going to blow up and everyone's faces and Bitcoin's going to crash. Um, South Korea banning cryptocurrency trading. China banning cryptocurrency trading. India banning cryptocurrency trading, including Bitcoin. Um, all these were proven to be way overblown. Um, but what it was very effective at doing is getting a lot of people to sell their Bitcoin for cheap. And um, so at this point... Go and buy Bitcoin? No, well, I'm seeing, you know, Wall Street is, uh, I think, uh, 100 or the top 1,000 holders of the largest amount of Bitcoin, you can actually look up the addresses online, hmm. um, have all increased their Bitcoin holdings within the last week. Yep. Uh, because it's a great time to buy Bitcoin. Wall Street knows this, and don't fool yourself, they are stocking up, um, usually at the loss of poor speculator who's taken a loss and sold it because he got, he started listening to the fear and uncertainty and doubt about Bitcoin and didn't want to lose more money. And I think there's a lot of uh, regular Joes out there, and I'm going to, you know, use somebody like myself, for example, who, you know, got in, bought a little bit, not much that I would, uh, you know, really cry over if I lost, but if I had bought, you know, five times what I put in, and a lot of people did, they're very scared when it's down to seven, because most of them, especially if they got in the last six months, they bought, you know, 12 higher, right? Well, the point is, you know, never buy more than you're willing to lose completely. And that, it, it, you know, and what's happened in the past month with uh, Bitcoin really coming off in price um, just reaffirms the reasons why we warn that, that you shouldn't. Yes. Because, you know, if you if you can't afford to watch your Bitcoin holdings tank, um, you know, then you should never have gone in the first place because that's exactly what they're going to do. Yeah. You know, everyone wants to... to bring out the fight against Bitcoin to kill the price on it and get everybody out so Wall Street can get in. <laughs> so at this point, you know, the price of Bitcoin is fantastic. Um, sure, it might go down further, but um, I just see a huge upside coming and see, seeing that the largest Bitcoin holders are increasing the amount of Bitcoin they're holding means they're acquiring more Bitcoin at this low price, which yeah. is an extremely bullish sign. Yeah. But didn't they say it could get to five? They originally said it could get to five before it goes to supposedly 100 next year, this year, you know, but... Well, who cares? I mean, who it's, cares? it could go lower. It's already quite low. It could go lower. So what? Oh, I wish it went to two. <laughs> <laughs> well, you so, know. Fear. But on the other side of the coin, you know, you have somebody who's put too much money in, mm -hmm. you know, and they can't afford to watch it go to two. So, you know, and there are people, there's been a couple suicides about it already. Like, it's not kidding around kind of stuff. I mean, when we say don't put in more than you can afford to lose, we mean it. 
gone because those who do put in more than they can afford to lose almost always lose but you will be forced to sell at a loss and uh before you know it it's back up to where it was before it went down and even going higher and then it just makes you feel worse because you're out of the game yeah and all you all you need is a skin in this game you just need a skin in it right i know an awful lot of people who have this and they have uh did I say skin again? Yeah, Darren's <laughs> laughing at me. I'm not going to say it again. But uh, you sure? No, I positively will not. Say but you it need again. some kind of something in the game. Fear, uncertainty, doubt. It's a common acronym going all around the internet, and it is huge. The man, the man wants to scare you. The amount of fud against Bitcoin is massive, and you'll read in the paper, and like people will be moaning and. Walking around with frowns, thinking, oh my, you know, the world is crashing down, you know. But really, all of this FUD, and there's been a huge amount of it this month, and it's all turned out to be absolutely, there was nothing to fear, nothing to doubt, nothing to be uncertain. It is all systems go, and people are still selling because they're not getting the message. So I'm sad for them because this is not a time to sell your Bitcoin, but... You know, yeah, I guess, uh, what are we going to talk about next? We're done scaring people? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? We're not scaring anybody. No. We're not, we're not out to scare people. No. So to tell them, like, you know, it's going to be a roller coaster ride. And it is a roller coaster ride. Sure. Okay. You got a thought, so let's hear your thought. A thought. Yeah. Uh, the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. My dad used to write that on every single piece of paper. And you know what that is? Yes. It's the typing thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's every letter of the alphabet. That's correct. And isn't there another one, too? Um, Yeah, yeah, there's more. Yeah, there's a couple more. But he used to write that on every single piece of paper he could get. It was really very weird. Okay, so we got some feedback from our uh, first couple podcasts. Apparently, um, some people don't understand what Bitcoin is. And uh, I guess we didn't do a good job explaining it. Um, Try. No, I don't think it's that. Okay. I think it's just a, it's a new concept. People All are right. scared. Well, but... then, you know, we, we're doing this. And let's talk about it. What is Bitcoin? Let's go back. Well, I am, I am not the perfect source well, for this, but... To, um, but rather than the definition of Bitcoin. No, to get into it, we have to really? talk about blockchain. But see, I, you lost me at blockchain. But see, you're, you're losing people at blockchain because we need to talk about the what Bitcoin is. Really simple. And then you want to go into blockchain? like We haven't even talked about blockchain in the podcast yet. Well, blockchain is the structure from which Bitcoin... <laughs> originates from I did mention ledger though right I mentioned something about an online ledger yep 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 okay yeah well we talked about the ledger because that's how you can track all of all bitcoins right yep. within that ledger that's correct yes so yeah we, we've talked about the ledger uh, so the blockchain is where all of the bitcoins are stored okay imagine you had a huge excel spreadsheet um how big huge millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of rows long right these rows you know for simplicity purposes has a unique address so row one two three now we could also say each row represents a bitcoin address right which is we described that i think is a, a 
an alphanumeric combination. So a combination of numbers and letters. It's a unique address. And, and that is your bank account number. Can we call it that? <clears throat> no, we'll just call it your uh, your wallet. <laughs> your wallet ID. It's your wallet. It's where you keep your Bitcoin. Your, your wallet ID. You could have a lot of wallets. You could have multiple IDs with Bitcoin in any of them or all of them or whatever. Or any amount of like Bitcoin. Like you can with cash, yes. Yeah. And in this Excel spreadsheet, every wallet ID is in the row with a certain amount of Bitcoin in each. And that, you know, and when you sum up all the Bitcoin and all the wallets, I think today you're going to have about 16 million some odd, you know, and every every day there's a bit more Bitcoin added, but all the Bitcoins allocated to a large number of alphanumeric addresses. That is basically a database all of those 16 million are allocated to every bitcoin out there is in an address yes and the bitcoin can be it can be multiple amounts of bitcoin i mean it could be point zero 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 one bitcoin it's just a number that's basically sitting on um the alphanumeric address and if you own that address and can access that address um, then you can see how much Bitcoin is in it. If you can send from that address, that means you own it. So if you can log into your wallet and you have the ability to send Bitcoins from your address to a different address, then it's basically your money, which is why it's important not to give away your passwords to other people because they could just access this Bitcoin and send it to a different address themselves <laughs> yeah yeah really that's what bitcoin is it, it's um it, it's just a series of numbers in a huge databases of addresses and when i send say 0.02 bitcoin from my address to someone else's address like say i buy something online like a a pair of shoes that cost me 0.02 bitcoin then i wind up sending that money to the bitcoin address of the merchant what happens is when you tally up all the bitcoin alphanumeric addresses there's still the same amount of bitcoin it's just there's less in my address and more in the other address so it's really just an online ledger what's interesting about the bitcoin blockchain the ledger is copied across thousands of computers it's called a decentralized network nobody no one entity owns all these computers they are owned by different people everybody who owns bitcoin owns bitcoin yep and when a transaction is processed that means it gets written to a block and every block from every past bitcoin transaction is saved on all of these decentralized network nodes or computers that are effectively become part of many computers that are in the decentralized network. Yes. If there's one computer that has a block that is different from the other blocks that are processed, that block gets refused, which means um, it is very effective at preventing any attempt at manipulation or hacking. It's in fact so effective, it's nearly impossible 
for it to happen, which is why everybody loves the idea of the blockchain. So, so Bitcoin, Bitcoin is within the blockchain is very, very safe, is what you're saying. Libby mentioned that people were still having a disconnect with what Bitcoin was. And one of my thoughts was, is that do they need to have something physical in order to understand what Bitcoin really is? Like, I don't ever hold my cash, but I know I can hold my cash, but I can never hold my Bitcoin. Or is it just the fact that Bitcoin needs to get more popular and then people will start to understand it a little better? Well, I mean, Bitcoin's new, right? It's virtual. It's 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 the only form virtual. of it's the only form of currency or asset really up to this point that you can't hold in your hand. It just does not exist in the physical state. It's completely electronic money. And I think that's a big struggle with some people that they can't hold their Cash. I don't know if it's so much a struggle. I mean, I, I, uh-huh. I, I kind of understand what you're saying, but the thing that really makes it straightforward for me is, you know, like the first time I bought Bitcoin, um, I wound up sending it to a wallet on my phone. Um, I run an Android phone. Apparently, Samurai wallets are good Bitcoin wallets now. But, okay. you know, when you send the Bitcoin to your phone, all of a sudden you open up the app, the wallet app, and uh, it just tells you how much Bitcoin you have in Canadian dollars or U.S. dollars or whatever denomination of currency you want to um, reflect the value of your Bitcoin as. It's it's kind of physical in that way, right? Because all of a sudden you see money. You see like, oh, you know, there's $35 in Bitcoin on my phone and it's, it's showing It's physical it. to me, absolutely. But I'm just trying to look at it like someone else. Say your uh, cousin Stan, who lives in... Um, you know, Australia, you know, got thrown in the slam, the drunk tank or something like that, and he's 40 bucks for bail, and he's got nothing. <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, well, just email me your Bitcoin address. So he emails you his Bitcoin address. And he says, Joe. And boom, you send him the Bitcoin, and he's, you know what I mean? It's gone. It's done. You know, how, how long would it take for you to get cash to Australia from Canada? And you, how, how many billions of dollars in remittances sent a year? throughout the world. And if that money were going back into the economy, it would be amazing. What you have to understand about virtual currency is the value of virtual currency is a big part of it is the fact that it is virtual and it's not physical. Because if you have physical currency and you're trying to send it somewhere, give it to someone, you know. You can't trace it, you can't track it. It has to travel there physically. Whereas, you know, if you're sending a... If you're sending virtual currency anywhere, and I mean anywhere, anywhere there's internet or actually not internet, even just a cell phone signal, there you go. Boom. Is it instantaneous? No, but I mean, you know, 10 minutes and it's, it's done, right? So. It's better than a three day wire. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And at very little cost. I mean, the cost of sending Bitcoin right now. Whether it's whether it's ten cents or ten thousand dollars or two million, it doesn't matter. That the cost is the same. Probably right now between one cent and twenty cents. Now the big thing about wallets, you know, when you're sending Bitcoin, is to make sure you can get a wallet where you can set the amount you're willing to pay as a transaction fee. Right. Um, because usually the default transaction fee is quite low. So, 
it's important to have a wallet where you can set your own transaction fee, but also be warned, you know, when you're, you're setting your own transaction fee, it's good to understand what a good transaction fee would be. There's websites online that um, can literally recommend a proper transaction fee. It fluctuates depending on, you know, how many on-process transactions are in the system. Everybody's got a smartphone. So, you know, last month it was 20, 50 bucks even for a transaction to get a transaction sent through. That's what we spoke um, about last week a little bit, right? Yeah. Oh, it went uh, down so much. I was reading on Reddit and there's a guy who set up a transaction uh, in November and it, you know, and he specified a really, really low amount and it just got cleared a couple of days ago. Hmm. Um, partly because the amount of on-process transactions was, which was massive in January, and it's early February now, um, it's basically all been depleted. So there's very few on-process transactions waiting to get processed, which means, you know, you can pay a very small fee and it'll get processed quite quickly. So the downside is that if <laughs> if it goes up again, you need to know that so that you don't wind up uh, trying to send money to somebody and you say, oh, I'll just I'll pay a nickel to send my ten thousand, and all of a sudden, you know, you might. If there's a lot of unprocessed transactions, you're kind of you're kind of at the bottom. But there are sites you can be able to tell what clears you. Yeah. People use their phones to book everything today. This is nothing for someone to go on and do. No, I'm not saying that, but most people wouldn't know that. Over time, they're going to know it. Yeah, but preferably before they lock up 50000 in a transfer that doesn't get approved for three months, right? It's all good until it doesn't work, and then all of a sudden, you know. You got $50,000 of transfer, you can, you're okay. You're doing all right. Maybe. But maybe I'm sending money back home to the family that needs it. Of the remittance, I really do. It's one of the things that I love to book Bitcoin. I mean, imagine if you're in Japan and all of a sudden the company you work for has decided to pay you in Bitcoin, mm-hmm. right? So your salary, whatever, in yen, oh, they convert it all to Bitcoin at the conversion rate for that same day. And uh, instead of getting checks, which they probably didn't in Japan anyways, but, you know, there's big business in cashing checks even in North America. And... Uh, payday loans and stuff like that i mean if you're just paid in bitcoin bam it's in your wallet there's no bank to decide whether or not they're going to cash your check or not or you know it's just there there's no middleman in between you and your money which uh there shouldn't be anyways but you know in the last couple decades it's becoming increasingly difficult for you to access your own money at times (laughs) yes Well, made some people more than others, I suppose, but having a bank account is not an, an inalienable right either, right? So I think about approximately 1.4 billion people in the world have bank accounts. Yeah. So about 5 billion of the population is unbanked, um, do not have the income to actually hold a bank account. They are the forgotten. Maybe we're just working people of North America and we don't have a lot of money, but you know, but when you really compare it globally, we have a we have a heck of a lot of money. Fair enough. That's that is absolutely true. Yeah. Perhaps yeah, I'm in uh, you know some some country where I'm making a dollar a day or even less. You know, like a bank isn't going to want my business. And all of a sudden, Bitcoin is there for you, right? And with it, it low, doesn't discriminate. And with the low transaction rates, you could probably go on and buy ten dollars worth of Bitcoin. 
Look, if you got a phone, you put some Bitcoin on it, you go shopping. I mean, some of the biggest, um, if you're a market, if I'm in a market in Africa, you know, you know, I'm more likely to take cryptocurrency because a lot of people walking around, do you really want cash? Some places like Zimbabwe, you know, the, the inflation rates are so high, it's going to cost you probably an extra 10% more than it would have yesterday to buy a mango in the market, right? But but even minus inflation, I think you hit that right on the head where you mentioned that you don't have to walk around with any cash. The adoption of virtual currencies in the third world is huge. And, you know, I can't speak for it personally. I just, I read blogs of people who travel there and they know which way the wind blows and that's why they're all buying Bitcoin because they've seen it personally. Probably got rickshaw drivers that are accepting Bitcoin on their phone. Why, why wouldn't you? Sure, it's brilliant. Yeah, I, I really like the idea of the no cash and I think it's going to be, you know, it's going to open up a lot of enterprises, like you said, for people that, it's one of the reasons why I love, and I hate to drop names, but I love Uber. Yeah. It's because it can anywhere I'm at, I'm on my phone. I can have a car paid for right there and then. I yeah. don't need to exchange money. I don't need to do anything. And just think about Japan, who uh, welcomed Bitcoin and cryptocurrency with open arms. You know, like Japan right now is in the the process of completely revolutionizing their whole economic system. If there's merchants out there in Japan that aren't, aren't accepting Bitcoin, I guarantee you they are working on a way to start accepting Bitcoin. Companies now in Japan are paying their staff in Bitcoin, like large companies. I, I just can't believe like some people are saying Bitcoin is this and that and the failure and yada yada. Well, sure they are. Um, it's so close to exploding in my opinion. It's it's hmm. ridiculous, but. Okay, hope you liked it. See you next week. Over and out. Over and out. Well, I guess, I don't know. Should we come up with like a, a catchphrase? Like, a, a little bit of something. La da 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 We're not going to end it with over and out. <laughs> How about thank you very much for listening today? Uh, we'll see you next week. Oh, no, that's... no, it's uh, too hokey. Po- okay, all right. Well, uh... it's like you're teaching. A high school class or something. All right. Um. Bye. <laughs> All right. Well, oh, okay. Uh, I'm sticking with my over and out. Over and out, people. Over and over. And <laughs> may the may the coins be. Uh, you gotta call us up. May the coins be forever in your favor. <laughs> Good night. Bitcoin roundtable. Random musings and interviews about Bitcoin.